0: I guess I've learned a little bit from prior products where I've spent years uh, building things and then (laughs) releasing it and realizing that really I was solving a, a problem that I myself was facing, but not necessarily a lot of other people were resonating with. And so with bubbles, I really wanted to avoid that. And that's why I thought of an MVP that only took about four weeks to build really forced myself to reduce the scope of that as much as possible. It was a first version of what it might be like to work in an asynchronous and visual way. I'm Tom Medima, I'm the Founder and CEO at Bubbles.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry, And build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noel Appart, and today, how Tom Maduma created a way for you to collaborate remotely with less meetings and more work done. All this and more on Code Story. Tom Maduma is Dutch and grew up in a small village in the Netherlands. This allowed him to explore what else was out there, which led him to living in five different countries. Alongside that, he loves to travel and reads a lot of fantasy novels. We had a good chat about Tolkien books, Dune, and he recommended that I check out the Cradle series. We both highly recommend the Lycanus trilogy for anyone who is interested in their next read. Prior to his current venture, Tom was the CTO at a startup and found himself having to hire people fast, while maintaining that the people he hired were a good fit for the company. Hiring at their current Geo only was not going to work, so they had to look remote. And he quickly felt the pains of ineffective tools and methods for doing so. This is the creation story of Bubbles.
0: Bubbles is basically the best of two worlds. Imagine uh, Slack and Zoom having a baby. And so what that looks like is You still get the benefits of tone of voice, facial expressions, the ability to show your screen from something like Zoom, but you don't actually have to be there at the same time. And so you get the benefits of asynchronous work that you might be used to from something like Slack or email. You simply record uh, video snippets of yourself, your screen. You send those to your teammates and they can then respond also with video, you know, when it makes sense for them. They're really enabling a joyful way of working with your team while allowing the individual worker to have a way of working that's compatible with their lifestyles. So I was the CTO at a startup in Amsterdam, which was founded by one of the co-founders of HelloFresh. There, I was fortunate enough to see what it's like to scale a company from just three people at at the kitchen table to about 150. And I quickly realized that I had to hire people. Um, I was the CTO at this company, so mostly engineers and designers and and so on. And I had to hire them very quickly uh, while obviously hiring people that we we think were right for us. Hiring only in uh, Amsterdam, where our our headquarters were, just wasn't going to work. So we hired remotely and this was back in uh, 2014 when it wasn't necessarily that common we we were successful at hiring a lot of great people um, but we also experienced a lot of the friction that came from remote work so after doing that for about four years it started to itch so much that i just wanted to you know solve these problems around remote work and really enable people to to work remotely in a way that is as effective if not more effective than you know being in an office.
1: Let's dive into the MVP then. So tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: I guess I've learned a little bit from prior products where I've spent years uh, building things and then (laughs) releasing it and realizing that really I was solving a, a problem that I myself was facing but not necessarily a lot of other people were resonating with. And so with Bubbles I really wanted to avoid that and that's why I thought of an MVP that only took about four weeks to build. It's not what Bubbles is today but it was a first version of what it might be like to work in an asynchronous and visual way. So what it did is it allowed you to take a a screenshot of a website and you could then annotate that website and have conversations really forced myself to reduce the scope of that as much as possible and realize that it's it's not the same product that we ultimately want to build but it is a proxy thereof and so you know building that proxy enabled us to not just validate the product and whether or not we have product market fit but it also gave us some early traction and it allowed us to you know grow our user base from from there uh, onwards
1: with any mvp you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs and you're talking about really scoping down the product there tell me about you know how you made that decision or any other decisions and trade-offs when you're building that and how you cope with those decisions
0: any sas product is a lot of you could say infrastructure uh, stuff that is necessary but it's not necessarily different from any other sas product. so think about billing Or authentication (laughs) we actually decided to get rid of billing and authentication at least in the beginning and obviously the videos that you create need to be uh, private right they need to be secure so we thought of alternative ways to to make that happen in particular every video that you create will be uh, accessible over a secret unguessable URL link you know that is one example of how we could release much uh, faster and then build billing and, and uh, authentication and so on uh, later.
1: So then, then from that point, you've got your MVP, it's working. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I guess what I'm really interested in there is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with bubbles.
0: It's really hard to be honest and even today I've, you know having done this for a while now, I'd say it's one of the harder problems in, in product uh, product management. I think there is no easy answer, but I think you would want to take a, a, a combination of on the one hand, what are the problems that you see your users are facing and on the other hand, how do I what do I envision the world to look like a couple of years down the line? Because if you only take the one extreme and not the other, I think you will soon face all kinds of issues. So you don't want to be too visionary in that you only build things that people might not necessarily uh, resonate with today. But you also don't just want to, uh, let's say, build features that you currently see a need for. It's because that tends to kind of limit your your, your product. And maybe you, you would risk being on let's say, um, a local maxima rather than a, a global maxima.
1: Okay, let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you?
0: Every situation is unique. One mistake I made is in at Blue Mon, which was the previous company where I was a CTO. A lot of the interview processes were around how do we assess uh, technical skills? now being uh, a ceo and, and founder of, of bubbles i had to learn that you know we don't just want to hire folks for technical skills and hire for let's say scalability but we want to make sure that we can hire people who are good at working in this highly like insert, uncertain environment where a week later you might be working on something entirely different from what you're working on today I started to look primarily for uh, attributes like uh, people's drive and motivation, as well as some experience. And that experience would not, was not necessarily about you know, have they uh, programmed in a certain language or, or something like that, but more about have they you know, experienced what it's like to work at a larger organization and maybe have a desire to make more impact or uh, release products and get user feedback faster. Those, I think, are are the right kinds of experiences that make someone really motivated to try something a little bit different, which is an early stage startup with a small team where you sometimes have to work quite, uh, you have to work a lot, but at the same time, you get a lot of fulfillment from that.
1: Tell me about scalability. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction?
0: I I wouldn't over optimize on scalability. I think it's totally fine to do the unscalable, uh, especially at first. And again, like every situation is unique. So uh, the beginning of your company, you're going to face very different challenges. And so I wouldn't optimize for uh, what your company is going to look like, uh, let's say two years from now, uh, just because the problems you're going to be facing today are, are hard enough to solve. Focus on solving those problems, you know, particular examples, product market fit, making sure you have people who today have to drive to make difficult decisions and uh, keep going even when things aren't uh, always going as smoothly.
1: As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: we like to say that bubbles has grown through product-led growth and it's primarily grown organically when you use bubbles you basically record your screen or you record yourself and then you share a link with your teammates so they can look at it when it's convenient for them and they can respond you know that's great but it, it, at first that was just an idea it was a theory at the time you know, that really put a a big uh, smile on my face was when I went to a a local WeWork here in San Francisco and I met a random person and I was like explaining bubbles, but they were like, you can stop right here because I'm a user of this company, this product. Seeing how we have kind of organically grown and how we, we we see people actually driving value from the product, is incredibly fulfilling. and I'd say is one of the more prouder, let's say, moments.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit, Tom. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: One big mistake I made, is, and this is kind of interesting, I think, is that when I first moved to San Francisco, I thought I had to hire a team locally in San Francisco, which is kind of contradictory to what I said before where you know I was talking about hiring remotely and how that helped us find the best people Th- that is true but at the same time the tools weren't there yet I think to work remotely in a way that was as effective as being in the office and so I thought at first we need to have a, a founding team uh, that is local in an office in San Francisco but then I actually learned Two things. First, again, like finding that talent locally is really, really difficult. But second, and probably more important, by actually embracing those issues around remote work, we are able to build a much better product because we, you know, dog food bubbles and we're able to really experience those issues of remote work. And so I'm really glad that, you know, after trying to hire remotely for a couple of months, actually, I stopped doing that and change to a a fully remote uh, team.
1: Okay, so what does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: On the product side, um, we're really focused on helping people collaborate uh, when they're not necessarily working, let's say, at the same time. So let's say if you're in different time zones or if you just have too many meetings on your calendar to schedule more live meetings. right? And so we're looking at how can we make it really easy for you to have these kinds of meetings asynchronously but still have the confidence that you would get from something like a Zoom call. And that's difficult because one of the issues we've we've learned uh, from user research is that while people appreciate working asynchronously, they're worried about the recipient of that asynchronous conversation not necessarily responding on time or perhaps not even taking it as seriously as they might take something like a Zoom call. And so our product features in the coming months will be focused on How do we enable these teams to collaborate asynchronously while still having the confidence that they're going to get a response in a timely manner. So asynchronous doesn't mean that you're not going to get a response quickly, but it it does mean that you may not get it in the next five minutes. So we're really trying to enable you to have this confidence around the okay, cave. If I send this bubble now, I will have an answer in the next 24 hours or the next eight hours, uh, rather than being in the unknown and hoping that you're going to get an answer within a day. So I'm actually really happy with our, our current team. We're a team of 10 people we will be expanding the team once we uh, do our next fundraise, but currently I, I strongly believe in having a, a scrappy, agile team, and I think our team is, is there and have no plans to, let's say, further expand the team in the short, short term. So
1: Tom, who influences the way that you work? You know, Name someone or multiple people or something you look up to and why?
0: There's there's two people that come to mind. Uh, They've been very influential. And uh, the first is uh, Patrick Hurenkamp. So it's a Dutch name. He's one of the co-founders of HelloFresh. I mentioned him earlier. You know, he's someone who took a bet on me, hired me as, as a CTO for a new venture he started. What I learned from him is he's capable of thinking about this kind of dream state and then kind of reverse engineering that to where we are today. While that might seem very obvious and, and, and simple, it's an incredibly useful trick to get to bigger, more, more complex goals. And so this kind of first principle thinking where you try to unpack really big problems has been really helpful to me personally. A very practical tip there is the way he does that and the way I do it now too, whiteboarding and drawing out what that future might look like and then really unpacking it from there. The second person is Alex, Alex Muntz, also Dutch. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Flyer Labs. Um, Really interesting company, and uh, what I uh, like about him, what he's been incredibly helpful with, is really his uh, optimism. And he he literally sees only opportunities. He doesn't really see problems. And so that continuous optimism towards looking at everything as an opportunity has really allowed him to take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, you know, his company is in is in airlines and. The airline industry didn't have the easiest time during COVID, uh, but it's actually the time where they have thrived as a company and they're doing incredibly well now. So the way he's been able to take that as an opportunity rather than a problem has been very inspiring.
1: So we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: I have previously worked on a product that I thought was very useful, um, but I had just not done enough kind of user research on validating product market fit before starting to build this product. And what it did, it it was basically a a Figma that would generate React applications, so it would generate code for engineers to use. Pixel perfect uh, output, and so it kind of kickstarted development. Sounds super interesting, I, I think personally. and on first impressions of people are generally good. but when we actually try to sell this to engineers or have engineers use it, uh, we got a lot of pushback. Um, engineers didn't want to use auto-generated codes and so on. And I think we could have discovered those kinds of problems much earlier in the life cycle. Um, and so you know I would not have, let's say built the product to the, the stage that we did if I could do it, do it all over again. And the second one is, is really around you know, hiring a team. I, I would not try to hire locally again, unless it somehow made a lot of sense for the company. That, um, But in, in general, if you're able to hire remotely in today's world, I, I would definitely recommend it.
1: Well, last question, Tom. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: What I want to share is that once you get a little bit of success, your product gets off the ground, you'll see that you're going to get a lot of signals from a lot of different people. You're going to get a lot of advice. Advice is very helpful because at the end of the day, you can't do this yourself. At least I believe that we all need help. And so, you know, first bit of advice is ask for help. Make sure you take advantage of that. If you don't ask, you're not going to get the help. Now, second, and somewhat contradictory to that, it's not as, as easy as just following everyone's advice. At the end of the day, there's a reason why you are successful and why your company is successful. And so you do have to uh, have certain principles and beliefs and be open-minded about them, but at the same time, understand what made you successful in the first place and try to to stick to some of those um, principles.
1: That's great advice. Well, Tom, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Bubbles. Thank you so much. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laporte. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.